You're a Jewish hipster scientist. Why do you think Einstein was? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. And I'm Frida. And for our first episode, we're going to talk to you about Annihilation. But first, Abby, where are we, where are we recording this from? Uh, <laughs> well, originally we were going to be recording this together whilst drinking, but I have moved and now I am in London and you are in sunny Australia. That's right. So it is Sunday a.m. for me. Yes, Sunday night for me. Yeah, so instead of wine, I'm drinking coffee. And for some inexplicable reason, Frida over there in Australia on Sunday night is also drinking coffee. I am drinking coffee. I'll tell you why I'm drinking coffee. I'm drinking coffee because, so to all viewers from the future, we're in the uh, middle of the coronavirus pandemic and I'm in Melbourne. And just this week, they've let us have some people over on our house, of course, this weekend. What did I do? I had some people over, so I'm not doing so well today. (laughs) (laughs) So so I've had to have a coffee just to perk myself up. Whereas in contrast, in London this week, we are now finally allowed to meet one other person in a park and stay two metres apart. So I met my friend and sat on the opposite bench to her and we had a chat. So I'm perfectly fine today. Was it like Forrest Gump, Abby? Yeah. I had chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've decided that at some point in the future, we'll have some special episode where we'll do it like on a Saturday. And so long as it's late enough in the morning for me, I'll just drink like a mimosa or something. Oh, yeah. Bucks fizz. Boozy brunch. Classic. Boozy brunch for you. Yeah, classy ladies. All right. So we are two scientists. Yes. Physicists by trade. Yes, we are. And we met working together when I was living in Australia and we like well you like movies a lot you watch a lot of movies you're way more into I'm way more into like trashy movies things that don't like I don't like drama so I bang on sci-fi give me something that's just shouty things and sparkly lights and (laughs) loud noises and I'm I'm super happy but I do find that with some science movies there are moments where you're like this is so cool and then they do something to explain the science or have a scientist walk in in some sort of a way and some sort of a zone and I just go huh and it just pulls me out of the movie and it makes me very sad or sometimes I go that was amazing and I loved it so we started talking about movies didn't we and we started talking about Annihilation yeah well I think the main thing is that me and you just couldn't stop talking to each other yeah and so we thought how can we keep this going (laughs) (laughs) Abby I've got a question for you you're in science now are there any movies which influenced you to get into science have movies played a role in any way for you in being in science no no (laughs) (laughs) that's a great answer I can't think of any movie that I ever do you know what's really sad do you know the reason I chose so I did my degree as a mature student I used to work in theatre yeah, And I was trying, I knew I wanted to go to university and I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to study, but one well, of my best subjects at school was maths. So I was, and I never studied physics for my leaving cert because Irish, so leaving cert. Um, 
I basically went on the MIT courseware website and looked through all of their open courseware subjects and started looking at some of the lectures. And I just started watching these physics lectures and went, cool, I'll go do that. <laughs> That's why I did it. <laughs> I'll do that. Why did you get into science? Oh, everything else was too hard. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> yes, I think, I mean, it's because I was in engineering originally because I was good at maths and physics, but I found um, there's too much group work in engineering. And I just, I just felt I just couldn't handle it. So I, I just thought. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lack of a love for other people. It is a lack of a love for other people. At the time, you know, I've come a long way. Hello. Yeah. When I was there, when I was I was little, twenty, I took oh, nineteen, I can't remember, but I couldn't handle I couldn't handle it. There were a lot of complicated reasons and might come out <laughs> over the course of our podcast, but I just I did everything else was too hard for me and uh I did I just wanted to do something that felt easy and it just felt good. We have very different experiences with physics. <laughs> But I did, but I wanted to be like a mathematician, like in the movies. Absolutely. Like, I just really wanted to be that person, that guy, of course. It's always a guy. Beautiful mind. Beautiful mind, yeah. Oh, I just wanted to be him. <laughs> oh, man. And when, and when they, they changed the, um, they put this special paint on the walls that we could use as whiteboards. So you'd write on the walls. So I felt super cool when I could write on the walls. And, and they also had, um, they had these transparent, so the physics, the physics group in the university that I was in. They, they made the walls like clear and they made us also we can write on the walls. They encouraged it. They loved it. So people would walk by our building and go, ooh, there's physicists. But I, I loved it. I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's me oh my God. writing on the wall. Yeah. I'm into a transparent wall with some, with some colored like whiteboard um, equations <laughs> rocking it. I am into that. <laughs> but... Oh my god! Yeah, I just wanted to be there. I just want to be. I just wanted. To, I wanted to be the person. Everyone's like, "Tell us." I but I digress, Abby. I digress. Let's get into this. Yes, you digress, dear. <laughs> so we're here to talk about movies. Um, we wanted to talk about movies because we just like we just want to talk about how science is represented in movies. Not necessarily overly focus on how realistic the science is because. They're movies, it's fiction. It's the whole point of science fiction. It's, you know, it's not realistic to mm -hmm. a certain degree, but a lot of the time these movies do try to pull from science and try to make it seem like, oh, there is a viable, bat like they're not viable, what's the word? There is some basis for this story. Yeah. But for me, I felt that like, I know, I don't question the actual science so much. It's how they present it. It's the way that, they tell the story, the person they have telling the story and the way that they outline it throughout the movie as to whether I'm going to believe it or not. And I, I don't yeah. need to, it doesn't need to be the science that I know or understand. It doesn't need to be my field or not my field. But that moment for me of just like, they've explained it. Have I just continued to enjoy the movie or have I just gone, huh? What the hell is going mm. on here? What are you talking yeah. about? Well, how about mm. you? What's your, what's your feeling on it? Yeah, I think I'll watch a lot of movies and, and the way they like to have scientists in movies, and especially female scientists, the way female scientists are in movies, like super hot and wearing high heels and 
you know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> it's the way the female scientists are. And that shaped me a lot as well, by the way. It's just like if I'm going to be a female scientist, I want to be one of those. I want to be looking great and dressed great. It's sort of like this pressure of like a female scientist has to be someone that that's got it all and, and whatever, you know. And I think it's a lot of that depiction. Like if it's going to be a female scientist, then she better be hot or, you know, something. Um, so I think for that, it's the scientists and the way they talk, their everyday speech that scientists in movies have. It's always been a little bit odd to me. And I think, um, you know, the way they are with their families and um, yeah. and then the way, of course, science is done, the way labs are, that always makes me chuckle sometimes when I see uh, the way discoveries get made, like in Iron Man when he discovers that uh, Iron Man 2, is it? 3, 2? I don't know, when he discovers a, a new element and it's just sort of like, you have discovered a new element. There's, there's stuff like that, you know, that's kind of silly. Um, yeah. But it's all part and parcel of making a movie, right? Like you just have to turn things into good storylines, I guess. And then there are those movies where like it's just – I'm all for aliens. I love aliens. I love time travel, that stuff. Like I can suspend my disbelief for all that kind of thing. Um, over-explaining it for sure when they like try yeah. to get too um, verbose on us. Um that's a bit of an eye roll there as well. So I think Annihilation was a great one to start because it's a beautiful movie. Um, yeah. It's a little verbose with their explanations of science. Got a lot of lady scientists in there, very meaty. So it's a good one for us to discuss. Right, let's get into it. Let's get into the movie. You had the movie choice this week. You chose Annihilation. So Frida, uh, tell us about Annihilation, the movie. I will tell you about Annihilation, the movie. All right, this movie, it was written and directed well, it wasn't written. It was based on a book of the same name. But the screenplay was adapted by a Mr. Alex Garland, who we probably know from 28 Days Later, Ex Machina, all sorts of cool movies. Um, and it tells a story of a biologist called Lena, who's played by Natalie Portman, a very guilt-ridden biologist. Her husband has gone off on a top-secret military mission um, shortly after she's had an affair. So he's gone off all depressed and he hasn't come back in a year. And so she's all depressed. And then what happens? He sort of turns up unexpectedly um, with no memory of where he's been, with no, no knowledge of how he got home. Um, and then he starts to bleed and all sorts of things happen. She calls an ambulance. Lo and behold, they're... Um, stopped by a bunch of military vehicles who escort them to a top-secret military base uh, where he's come from. Because it turns out uh, some alien form has crash-landed into this lighthouse out of which has grown this sort of strange thing they're calling the Shimmer. And it's taken up this huge region and it just sort of keeps growing. And her husband was selected with a bunch of other dudes to go and check it out and no one came out except him. Um, and they've decided to send in a bunch of ladies. Lady scientists. That is how science works. If a bunch of men can't do it, let's try it with women. Um, and so there's a whole group ready to go, and Lena's turned up. She's a biologist. She's got a military background, and she's not allowed to leave. So she goes in with the group, um, and their group is led by um, a psychologist called Ventress. Uh, who's played by Jennifer Jason Leigh, uh, who we love. And who else is on the team? There's a geomorphologist, so someone who's going to be um, 
measuring for any kind of magnetic fields in the shimmer called Cassie. Cassie's played by an actress called Tuva Novotny. There's Anya, the paramedic, played by Gina Rodriguez, and the physicist who's, quote, coming straight from her postdoc in Cambridge, <laughs> Josie, oh Josie Raddick, the physicist played by Tessa Thompson. But all the people that have gone in there have, have reasons that they are sort of giving up on life or feeling somewhat self-destructive. Apart from the fact that Lena's feeling super guilty that her husband's turned up after his runaway, after she's had an affair. There's, uh, Ventress is suffering from cancer. She's close to death. Um, there's Anya, who's an addict. They say she's an addict. Um, Josie, um, is, she self-harms. She cuts herself. And um, Cassie, Shepard, she's lost a child recently. So all of them are kind of feeling a little bit like checking out of life. Uh, and that's what's motivating them to go into something which is sort of uh, surely going to lead to their death. So this group of women, they go into the shimmer and shenanigans. <laughs> I was going to say chaos ensues. Lots of shenanigans. <laughs> and things go and they lose a lot of time. They turn on each other, yada, yada, yada. And it all comes to head in this amazing sequence at the end when Lena finally gets to the lighthouse, finds Ventress there with an alien inside her explodes alien explodes out of her mouth to some super cool synth music playing in the background weird metallic alien humanoid alien copying lena's every move it's so creepy it's so good it's so weird such weird stuff happening i really love the end of this movie so much the middle i kind of lost me as you might have as you might have been able to tell from my summary Lost me a little yeah. bit, the human interest stuff, a sort of bit yawn-yawn for me, but my God, there were some great monsters. I love a movie monster, and they gave us some great monsters and weird aliens and just weird slimy shit, and um, there was some good stuff in this movie, Abby. What do you think of it? What do you think? Yes. Yeah, I really, really liked it. I really liked the movie. I did. I remember watching it like when it first kind of came out because I was, I love a sci-fi movie. I really do. And my biggest problem at the moment, and I've said it to so many people, I constantly complain about it, and I just want Netflix to hear me, is there are so many sci-fi TV shows. I am so fed up of turning on Netflix, and here's another sci-fi series. And I look at the, you know, I see a little trailer, and I go, oh, that might be interesting. And then I look to the right, and instead of seeing, like, one hour, 40 minutes, or two hours, Mm. I see season one, or, like, one season, two seasons. And it's like... We can't watch this many series. Like, they, we don't have time for this. You don't. Yeah, I don't have time to track 10 or 15 different sci-fi series. But also because it's not even about that. It's about investing your time into something that you know is going to get cancelled. <laughs> you know there's only going to be one series of this or maybe two series, if you're lucky. So you're never going to get the ending. You're never going to get that closing off of it for you. So... I feel like they're missing a trick by asking people to continuously invest into these long series that people just don't Mm. want anymore. And I would much rather have a movie. Give me a good movie. A tight movie. Like condense down some of these series that you've made and give me one good movie and I'm super happy. Mm -hmm. So Annihilation was that for me. I was like, awesome. Here's a great sci-fi movie that I can just get into and enjoy. So yeah, I really liked it. Get into it. You make a good point because like Firefly, Westworld, there's like 
fantastic series. Look, I'm not a sci-fi fan, by the way. I just need to just uh, <laughs> uh-uh. uh, qualify that. But uh, I've heard people like it and then they axe it because, I don't know, maybe the viewership isn't big enough, but I feel like there's like a massive fan base with sci-fi, so I don't quite get that. But um, yeah, it was a good... There are so many science fiction movies on Netflix now. There's a lot. But this was good. Yeah, that's the thing. There's a difference between having a lot and having a lot of good ones. There isn't a lot of good sci-fi. There are more <laughs> sci-fi series than there are movies. Yeah. Maybe I'm not looking at the right ones. Maybe Maybe people can send me movie recommendations please do this is my feeling about science fiction has always been like there's a lot of content and a little of it is good (laughs) yeah and often that minimal bit and then the just huge amount of stuff you have to troll through (laughs) i know and often the ones that are good are kind of not so much strictly in the science fiction genre often the ones that are good are good because they're going a little bit out of it uh you know at least by my opinion well, that's what this is, isn't it? Annihilation is more kind of thriller. It's kind of sci-fi horror. Horror. Yeah. And it worked. I love horror. Yeah. It did work. And, and you, because I know, and you mentioned about the, the synth thing. I know you're obsessed with the synth thing. I love so a synth. Go. Well, because, yeah, I mean, to be fair, you have made our theme tune, which I'm in love with. Um, I know you're super excited about it. But um, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I know that you're together. into the soundtrack in general, and yeah. it was the same for me. Like I, I think you have more of a, a more, um, I don't, I don't know what the word is, a more of a critical eye when it comes to this stuff in terms of music and in terms of film and the actual technique, and because you are a big cinema buff, whereas I'm way more just a bit of a cheesy, easy person. I'm just like, just give me something that'll zone me out of my daily life give me something shouty smashy bang crash bright flashy and i'm super happy i love that's why i'm Mm. I'm very much into sci-fi fantasy type movies because for me drama i I read a lot so i'd rather read a book that was going to be a bit dramatic and a bit emotional than sit down and watch something like that i'm just no but so yeah in terms of this i know that the style of this movie and all of that is something that you were super into and the soundtrack and yeah i Mm. i felt like it really set a great tone everything yeah. at the beginning really kind of super creepy yeah it kind of laid it out like you said yeah that creepiness of it we tried to say it earlier in a recording that was um unfortunately cancelled by my computer crashing may or may not be our third time i really felt that jennifer jason lee's tone along with the music set this whole eerie creepy vibe all the way through which i was really into she's creepy she was great she's like you wanna you wanna go in there I know you do. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she's got a thing about her. She kind of whispers a little bit. Uh, I wrote a little note to myself when I watched it about, like, uh, I love the bed sheets when they show <laughs> they show Lena's house oh, yeah. in the beginning. There's some excellent linen bed sheets, and they have some good music playing, and she's kind of painting it. I liked it. It was a really realistic bedroom, and I th- a lot of movie bedrooms have, like, dust ruffles and weird ornaments everywhere that we don't have, people don't have anymore. I liked it. I liked it. She was kind of like a... It was a very minimal. Here's this person in her pretty simple house that you would imagine a scientist would live in yeah. a house like that, kind of like a townhouse. The bedrooms, everything's pretty simple. The soundtrack's pretty bare. It was like there was a lot. And also, this is another good thing about it is the opening sequence, they kind of show you the alien crash landing and it growing. There's no voiceover. There's no. These movies often have news broadcast yeah. explaining what's happened. Nothing. 
loved it. I like when they just trust you to like put it together yeah. and stuff. I appreciate that a lot. Well, it's that thing as well, isn't it? What we say about there's science and the, and then there's fiction. And if you're especially if you're going to speak about something alien, we can't say we can't know. We don't know what's out there. We can make mm-hmm. assumptions based on life and existence on our world. We can make assumptions based on what we think a habitable situation would be on another planet or what types of organisms, what types of organic life could form and develop and evolve and survive in what types of conditions. But ultimately, we can't know. So it never really feels necessary to overly explain something like that because what's the point in trying to say this is what it is, exactly where it came from, and this is exactly why it's like it is because... We don't know that. And it is fiction at the end of the day. And we're there to just enjoy it and just, you know, have a bit of fun. So, and I did find that with this movie. I felt like I really, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the colors, the artistic qualities to it, all of the vibes of it. Wait, on that point, I'll just go back to that point for one second because because I, I, I had a lot of um, little uh, alien theory, like alien life form uh, nerds in my physics year level, the PhD group that I was in, people would actually sit around at tea and talk about like hypothetical alien life forms because that's definitely a thing that people like to theorize about. And Carl Sagan theorizes about that, what they might be. If something did exist on Jupiter, what would it be? So there are people that really love that topic. And they, they always would talk about that a humanoid alien is a ridiculous idea. Like it wouldn't be humanoid. But this movie actually he finds a way to give you a humanoid alien and this actually noted as i was watching it without so what they basically say is the aliens just trying to replicate us to try to live here it's basically trying to adapt to life on earth and that's why it takes yeah. on a humanoid alien uh, life a uh, humanoid form so that it sort of it doesn't it doesn't breach any kind of um any kind of rules about alien life forms and 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 what they would look like which i kind of like that from my sort of sciencey nerdy point of view i appreciate that and on that point i feel like we might get into the trope of the week so the main central theme of the movie as described by the book and the film is mutation and self-destruction however we're trying to look at this from the point of view of how the science themes are represented so welcome to our section trope of the week so in terms of science themes and science tropes, what is the what what was your trope that you chose for this week for this movie? I have two things, two super tropey things about this movie that I want to talk about. Okay? Which are so tropey when it comes to movies which have scientists in them. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is um, science lectures in movies because this opens with her giving a, a lecture. And it's such a silly lecture. And, and science lectures in movies are always so, so silly. And they say such silly things. Um, and then you have people taking notes um, about nothing. So in this one, she's giving this lecture about uh, cells. And they're basically watching a video of a dividing cell. And she's sort of got this breathy voice, voiceover, and she's talking about they're basically watching a cancer tumor grow and she's talking about the rhythm of the dividing pair and these students are taking notes even though she's not saying anything and it really makes this is this is really a thing uh do you know what i'm talking about lectures yes. silly silly lectures in movies yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, this is the thing. And my favorite example is this Harry Potter. <laughs> Excuse me, but in Harry <laughs> Potter, Professor Snape, when they're at the first ever potions lecture and Professor Snape comes running into the room with his with his robes billowing behind him and starts talking about, in my class. <laughs> Maybe we can find a recording if we're allowed to do yeah. that, but he's just talking such nonsense. You will brew glory, bottle death. And Harry Potter's writing, brew glory, bottle death. <laughs> he's like, someone is not paying attention. Anyway, movie lectures are always so, 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 so silly. I mean... Yeah, I get that, like, what you're saying about the lectures, I get that they feel the need that they have to set the story up in some way. They have to give some sort of explanation. So there always has to be a science lecture. Like, whether it's to a classroom full of people or a scientist lecturing, you know, a politician or a military person or someone in charge of something to explain the science behind or or set up the story. And I get they have to do that. But I, I do understand where you're coming from with this concept that, you watch a movie sometimes and you just have that moment where you just go like, what What are they doing? Why are they like... Well, I think what you're feeling with the lectures is that often the lecture is like a device to explain the themes of the movie or to tell us something about the character. So it's actually exposition done. Yeah. Pretty clunky, clunkily, you know. That's, so she's setting up the theme of mutation and cancer and, 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 and growing a cell even though it's a cancer it's growing and it's beautiful and there's a beautiful rhythm to it, i.e. the shimmer. It's a, you know, cancer on the earth, let's just say, but it grows and there's a beauty there as well, even though it's a destructive force, you know. Um, so she sets the themes up. There's a, like, it's just a really tropey thing using yeah. lectures like that. And there's, it's so many movies. I don't know if you saw Crazy Rich Asians, but I haven't that, watched it yet. that is so silly. So she's like an economics professor. And in America, they're all called Professor, Professor. Here we call our professors, we just call them David, Michael. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Not Sir. even. But, um, yeah, Professor. So so she's an economics professor. Oh, notice how I said Sir and only Sir and I didn't say Sir. Miss. <gasps> Oof. And I said David and Michael. <laughs> I just did it. Um. So wait, Crazy Rich Asians. It starts off, she's like in a poker game. She's in a poker game mm. playing poker. And then she wins and the lights come on. And actually she's in a lecture theater and giving a lecture on game theory, right? And and that's the lecture. And then she's like, hey, that's it, guys. The bell obviously rings. So the lecture was a poker game. And she says, your assignments on conditional probability are my desk. <laughs> you know. Just <laughs> probability poker. I mean, this subject matter and a lot of the subject matters that are rich enough that you don't have to resort to this silly, silly shit to put together a good lecture in a movie. Look, I had a lot of, there were a lot of wonderful teachers that did use stories and did use analogies in order to explain physical principles. But that is different from this just sort of total bullshit movie lectures. But that was my first. This is the one I want, I want to talk about movie lectures. And the other one, this is a, a super trophy thing about scientists. And I like to call it my sexy science pillow talk. When scientists are in bed in movies. <laughs> Who doesn't? Don't we all have sexy science pillow talk? What else would a scientist talk about? We turn each other on talking about 
science. It has actually, I have, I have had a couple of relationships where the thing was the science. They're like, they love that I'm a scientist. That's so cool that you're a scientist. So you sort of ham it up a little bit. That's so weird. I've had the opposite. I've had, sorry, physicist, bye. What? It's really worked for me, Abby. <laughs> they go, you're a what? I was in the wrong circles. Is that unusual? And I go, yeah, it's super unusual. Yeah, because you're like a, a scientist, but you're like, you're cool. Like you look, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's unusual. What can I say? Yeah, a hipster scientist. <laughs> but she's in bed. You're a Jewish hipster scientist. Yeah, like Einstein. What do you think Einstein was? <laughs> she, she, oh anyway, she's in bed with her husband and they're talking, sexy science pillow talk. And she goes, she's talking about how she's beautiful, right? But then she's going to age and she's not going to be beautiful. That's the premise. And she's going to say like that aging is cells it's god's mistake that that we age and that if and if the body was perfect and if cells didn't age i would i would look like this forever so beautiful this is like a weird cell-based foreplay you know and he's like oh you scientists always with your science come here (laughs) so silly so those are my those are my tropes and i'll probably (laughs) And I'll probably bring them up a couple of times later on the show. But um, yeah. what came up for you? That's okay. me. <laughs> what are your themes? For me, it was very... I actually found I had like a a mildly spiritual experience watching this movie. No, not spiritual. But this whole concept of unconscious bias. And I just kind of felt like that I personally fell into unconscious bias thoughts whilst watching the movie. And if you don't, if for anyone out there who doesn't know what unconscious bias is, it's just this concept that we, you know, this whole like um, inequality for men and women in science, in certain sciences, uh, and that the idea that you might think that you believe in equality, but you might have some biases that you don't realize and you, they're unconscious biases. So there was a couple of moments where I just found myself falling into some questions or thoughts that I had that I stopped for a moment and went okay why why are you doing that like the first one was why is the psychologist in charge I was like what what is going on why is there a lady psychologist in charge of this whole secret military base what the hell (laughs) and then they explain it very easily because you're like oh because this has been going on for 30 years and there's been 12 expeditions of people who have never come back So the psychologist is there to assess the people before they go in and determine if they're the right type of people. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then like, it was the same where it was like with Lena being a biologist, I was like, obviously lady biologist, pretty lady biologist, duh. And then immediately it was like, oh wait, she was a soldier in the military. She's a badass. She's like, you know, walking around firing guns and Mm, taking charge of everything. And um, and yeah, I had a similar thing with the sexy science talk because I did. I had that moment. I was like, oh, here's the pillow talk scene, all gooey and simpering. But then I was like, oh, but she's actually a little bit sassy and a little bit like, you know, I wrote I wrote down she's a sassy bitch. And I was like, because she talks more like the girls that I know in kind of like a bit of it's a bit of like, you know, ribbing back and forth with the guy. And it's a little less. Not, not on the science side, but just the way that they interact with each other. Yeah, it's Banter. a bit more banterish, like the way that I'm used to. And it's not just mm-hmm. this kind of like, oh, I talk like this because I'm a lady and I talk like this because I'm a man. 
kind of that's not how men talk and that's terrible let's stop it that's terrible anyway so what i found interesting was there's this actress jamila jamil she has an instagram account and she does these kind of questions where she'll ask people interesting questions and look for responses and one of the questions she asked was what's a woman in the spotlight that you hate and do you know the reason why you hate her and that just kind of came up at the same time that I had watched and had these moments with the movie. And I realized it's such an interesting topic because we are kind of trained as women to dislike other women for reasons that are unknown to ourselves. Because it's almost like we are led to believe that only a certain number of women can be in a certain position. So if someone is in a higher position than you or in a in an area that you wish you would like to be in then you must be critical of them rather than praise them and i felt that that's what i was doing i was being critical of the women in the movie and i'm like i don't want to say that it was that it's about a jealousy thing because it's female characters but that was my whole thing just that kind of realization that this movie was giving me something new giving me these female characters in a way that was really cool but my preconditioned thoughts was questioning it instead of just enjoying it so i questioned my responses to these topics and i realized that i had to tell myself to calm the fuck down stop making an assumption but i realized my assumption is there because that's what i'm used to that's what i'm used to seeing in movies i'm used to seeing women portrayed in a specific way so therefore i make the assumption every time i see it now i have my little eye roll moment and Mm. i have my little oh god here we go but in this movie, they actually mm-hmm. contradicted me. And I really enjoyed that. And I liked that I kind of came away yeah. from it feeling like that and feeling like, okay, cool. Yeah. I, 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 I roll a lot about like w- women in physics stuff when it, you know, women in science things. Um, it kind of always makes me roll my eyes a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, w- well w- women, women, they turn, we turn against each we other. Do. We're agents of the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be tearing it down <laughs> i know i know exactly what you have but she's cool she's just she's awesome she's cool there's a scene in the movie where she gets down on her knee and she shoots down the mouth of this fucking massive mutant alligator and she does it with so much commitment it is so awesome uh, that that scene really got me and i yeah and because like not only is the character super cool but natalie portman just really has a go at it she really has a go at this movie. She was great. I think she must she must be such a professional. She's so committed. Even if it's super silly at times, she's just 100% in and I I like her a lot. Um she is one of those actresses though that like she can do she crosses over so well between like the drama, the mm-hmm. action and comedy, you know? She's great. Yeah. She's fantastic. I really enjoyed her in this as well. As well as Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, so those are our themes. So my themes are a little bit silly. Yours is a little bit more serious. But I, I'm, I'm introducing on the first ever podcast, Sexy Science Pillar Talk. And, and if it ever comes up in a movie, we need to call it out. And if a movie yeah. lecture is silly as it was 30 seconds long and just about crap, we'll, we'll yeah. make a point of it as well. And we'll check ourselves the way we're looking at women in science. So the science representation in the movie itself, what did you feel like start if you uh, coming on from that, if we start with character representation, did you believe them as scientists, lady scientists? Well, I think the only one who does any real science is Elena, to be perfectly honest. She yanks out a microscope 
she yanks out a microscope and I know you have I've brought this up with you and you've told me it was a field microscope which I didn't even know that existed because the whole time I thought where on earth is she getting this from but I've googled pictures of <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> I've googled pictures of field microscopes and they don't look that like that they're kind of a little bit more portable but I digress she's she's she seems fully legit she's talking in a way um, collecting samples, looking at samples, being inquisitive. No one else does any real science, I don't think. There's a, there's a point where the geomorphologist finds north. That was cool. But, but the physicist does not take any measurements. The geomorphologist does not take any measurements. The psychologist, again, okay, what is she doing? They've kind of taken her role that was in the book and scrapped it. But Lena's the only one doing any science whatsoever. And, you know, that's all very believable. Super cool. No one else did any science whatsoever. I don't know what was up with that. What do you reckon? Yeah, I kind of agree. I I was confused. I think I said it earlier with the characters. I was just slightly confused about where they were coming from. It was like, it made sense. The group that was put together, the people that were involved, it made sense that they would go in there. But I felt like they didn't really capitalize on the use of the other scientists. It's like you you had Lena and she was great. But then it kind of felt like we were we were following this eeriness and this confusion and these, you know, movie monsters, which was kind of cool. But the other women for me could have been anything. Yeah. Like I didn't really see a moment where there were a couple of moments, I think each one had one small individual moment where it's like, okay, well, you know, she's a paramedic, so she'll do that. And she's a physicist, so she does that. But like, it didn't feel like they were a team working together. It felt like they were there to be uh, dis- dispensable. Yep. Yep. Is that the word? And Lena was there to do the job. Lena and Ventress actually were there to do the job. But Ventress was there for her own curiosity to just get to the end. Lena was there to be the survivor and the others were just there to be picked off one by one as we went through the horror moments, which I'm fine with. But I just didn't feel like it was um, it wasn't like, oh, they've gone into this shimmer and now you've got a bunch of scientists and they're all going to talk and they're all throwing about banding about their theories or their knowledge of what's happening in there. It was just very much seemed like Lena figured out stuff and that was it yeah they're called red shirts by the way red shirts that's it they were the red shirts red shirts yeah and you're in a red shirt yeah they were the red shirts um what i did appreciate though because from my perspective of looking at the how the science was represented i was very curious about what the consultation on the movie was so i did have a look at who the science consultant was which did excite me because it was Dr. Adam Rutherford, who is a British geneticist, broadcaster and writer. He is actually one half of the podcast Curious Cases of Rutherford and Fry, which is a BBC4 podcast mm. and one of my absolute favorite podcasts. So I have a lot of respect for Adam Rutherford. And I read a lot of interviews that he did talking about Annihilation. And he actually was also the science consultant on Ex Machina as well. So oh, yeah. and he did make some points he's made like there's some quotes that I have where he did say that he worked with all of the cast because they all wanted to know how a scientist would react what they would think how mm. they would feel and all of that is buried into their performances so I do think that the actresses actors we don't need to say actresses anymore I think we can just say actors 
I do think that the actors put a lot of work into what they were doing. I just think that the way the story was being told wasn't utilizing their skill sets to the fullest. But then I also think maybe the story didn't need it. Well, it didn't. They were just there to be um, trumpeting around, following her, I guess. Yeah. Maybe they were all paramedics. <laughs> so bringing us into the actual portrayal of the science portion of what is happening in Annihilation, what was the explanation like for you? What did What was the science to you? What was the story they were trying to tell? And did you believe it? And did it make sense to you? Um, it's a whole lot of questions you ask, Abby. I'm very sorry. I'm going to say that this is what I think, because there's a few different things in there. Like the way they explained it, I'll get to that in a second, but what I think was going on is that the whole story, the movie, the um, the shimmer is an analogy for cancer. That's what I think it was. I think it's cancer. So I agree with that, I think. Yeah, and and we know that at the beginning it's made pretty clear because she's looking at um, a cancer cell dividing and growing and talking about it being beautiful. Um, and at the end, Ventress talks about it being it's it's it deserves to survive because it's so beautiful. And then, of course, Ventress, he has this whole thing. I mean, she has cancer. And what's her motivation for going in? She says something like, there's only so long that you can watch it go closer. She's talking about the shimmer, but I feel like she's also kind of talking about her cancer in the sense that she knows her death is coming and there's only so long you can kind of sit and watch it go closer. So if I look at it like that, like that the alien has some sort of intense radiation and it's just mutating everything inside it. Um, yeah, and not trying a good to point. go. Yeah, I don't exactly right. It's just some sort of radiation. Everything is just getting absolutely fucked, and we're not trying to go into too many particulars about exactly what's going on. Then for me, it kind of works really well, and then, uh, then like I kind of accept that that works really well for me, and I don't really need to go into it any deeper. I think it's only when they start to get into the specifics that I start to kind of doze off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The specifics being the. Hawks genes and the whole world of refracting. Well, I can't speak for the human Hawks genes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I thought this was super cool. What's that? So it's basically this sort of genetic code which tells uh, um, our cells to grow with, you know, in the direction of two arms, two legs, so the shape of a human. So the trees had human Hawks genes. Either they were humans that became trees or trees that became humans or whatever. So yeah, well, it's shape. Who, yeah, that's a, the Hox gene determines the shape of how your body grows. Yeah. So the idea in biology, I think, from what I've read, is that you in you can't realistically put the Hox genes from one species into another species, and then that species will grow in the shape of the original one. For some mm. reason, if you do that, it will still know to grow in the shape of the species that it's mm. inhabiting. You can't take a rabbit and make it grow into the shape of a human. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. it will still grow in the shape of a rabbit. Of a rabbit. But um, at tried. the same time, you can take <laughs> this principle of a hox gene and you can look at like it, how it gets kind of shuffled around into mutations and you can just take it into the realm of fiction and just say, well, the rules don't apply. So let's let's allow the plants to have human noise shape and let's mm. allow a alligator to have shark teeth. 
and a bear to mimic the dying cries of a woman. <laughs> but what do they say? What their explanation for it? I I don't even. I just want to ignore it because it makes me upset. I just want to say radiation, mutation, and the other. But what do they say, Abby? What what do they use to explain it? And this is, I guess, why they needed a physicist to come on to say this, right? The physicist needed to be the one. By the way, just about physicists for a second. She doesn't take any measurements at all. She just sits and thinks. She ponders. Because that's what physicists do, right? She's a theoretical physicist, Frida. We just note. We just go, huh. (laughs) Oh, my God. I know what it is. It's refraction. Everything is refraction. So what is this thing about refraction (laughs) that they go... So nothing's getting out the shimmer. No no signals get out. They go, what do they say? I've written down the exact word. It's not, Did they you? go, oh. the signals are not, they're getting blocked, right? They're blocking, yeah. the shimmer blocks the signals. Not blocked. Refracted. Refracted. So everything inside there is refracting and the light is not blocked it's refracted and then they go further and say our dna is getting refracted inside the shimmer so my dna is getting refracted into the tree dna and to which i say does dna send off a signal because according to my thoughts that uh it's a signal electromagnetic signal which can refract but i digress right Mm. (laughs) again i think they're using refracting a mutation in kind of the same way or i think they're using refracting as a way to explain a mutation or something you know because i wrote that i had a question in my own notes i just wrote down the question how is dna refracted and then i did find a response from adam rutherford where he says that it's a metaphor for what's happening that dna is being mutated in ways that we can't understand that's not possible in the real world so it's just coming back to the idea of putting foundational real science into fiction and that's fine. You do a little bend and twist of your idea, creating a fictional version of a real occurrence. But like, it's, yeah, for me, that whole part was just, it was just, it, I think I felt the same as you. I was just like, you don't need to explain it. Like, I'm fine with it. Just, just leave it. It's a, it's an alien being doing alien things. I'm cool with that. Yeah, totally. I agree. Cause, because the other thing is that like refracted and I wrote down for myself, not blocked, refracted. I wrote reflected, diffracted, and then refraction, blocked. I wrote all these things down because it made me think about what light does. It's either absorbed, transmitted, or reflected. Refraction is what happens when you go from one medium to another medium, and it, so to speak, slows down or changes the angle, let's just say, of the ray. Mm. It's a, a form of transmission. So I think they really meant reflected. That's what I thought. They should have said reflected, but it isn't such a physics-y word. They wanted to say something real physics-y like refraction. And also it's like the shimmer has all these colors everywhere. Well, and when things refract, they get colors. Yeah, well, so is that what they meant? feels right. That when you think about putting light through a prism and then it, and you refract the light through the prism, so then you display it, the white light into all of its colors from right. the visible spectrum so, is that what the concept was that we're like everything is refracting therefore it's colors. changing as it all its parts passing through but passing through what mediums passing through the shimmer but it's not passing through the shimmer 
is it hitting off the shimmer what, and then what? refracting off the shimmer and then coming back around but what is the shimmer where's the shimmer coming from oh my god i'm spiraling i need to count down <laughs> the, the mist the whole the thing is let down with the fact that they need a physicist to say that you know they basically yeah. what they give this explanation they put a they ta- tack a physics word onto it and they chuck a physicist in the movie just to say just to say it it's refracting and why would a physicist know dna is refracting what do we know about dna yeah nothing, nothing. do you know what it is abby what it's this everyone is in a big soup it's a soup, a shimmer soup. Shimmer soup. Everything inside the boundaries of the shimmer is in a big soup. Yeah. It's all in a soup. And also like refraction. And then you had these, at one point, these twin deers. So these oh, deer and deers. a twin deer. Twin deers. Double. Refraction. Whatever. Like there's no line that of, of reason that goes through any of the things that they saw that would lead you to go refraction. Mm. Yeah. it's just a nonsense word in this situation that they're just chucking out there was this refraction made the bear speak in cassie's voice I feel- oh my god her voice is refracted i feel like we need to highlight your background in physics at this po- moment in time okay optics yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just just so that we I can do. um show some <laughs> uh, visible light optics yeah <laughs> Or we call it, it's called the physical optics. Yeah, I have a PhD in physical light optics and and some x-ray optics. So there we go. I spent a lot of time with light diffracting. Yeah. Refracting. I mean, this is a, this is a ray based explanation of light (laughs) as opposed to a wave one. Refraction. Who cares? But um, no, refraction, light, light does one of three things. Transmit reflect absorb or it is absorbed it is reflected or it is transmitted hmm. whatever it's been reflected i don't really care that's what i mean like i'm like yeah. oh god this this is where it gets scientists sort of wrong and, and a lot of science fiction movies always come to this point in the movie where they do the explanation bit and it's like they borrow words from all sorts of places and oh my god it's, yeah. it's like please just stop it just yeah an alien soup we're in an alien soup you guys I do feel that like they they had that moment in the middle where it was like, okay, we're going to give you some sort of scientific explanation for what's going on. And then they continue towards the end. They continue to that moment where they reached the lighthouse and where you met the being. And that's when the explanation stopped. There was no more. And it was perfect. That moment when she goes into the cave and she finds Ventress and you just suddenly just have this completely alien entity and you don't really know what's going on and i think we talked about this before about like i know you love that that moment where the where the entity takes the humanoid shape and does all this mirroring with um lena natalie portman's character yeah and it's very super slimy yeah and i but it was weird because didn't we have very different um takes from that scene didn't we Mm. feel very different things what was your feeling of that slimy and creepy like the most creepy thing yeah i find it emotional and sad (laughs) (laughs) well i I did because i think i said this to you before where for me it was very like bambi you know it was like this thing coming to life and having a moment where it was like is this what i'm supposed to be oh so they're copying lena and they're trying to and it was kind of like to me it felt very kind of are you my mommy 
And then that sad moment where like Lena puts the grenade in its hand and runs out the door and you're just like, oh, you killed the baby Bambi. It's very, I found it very kind of like, because I found it like maybe, I mean, if you think about what we're all living in right now, very isolating, like that this being and it's come to this planet and it doesn't know how to survive and it's trying to find a way. And then it meets this other being and it's trying to figure out how to that's a whole lot of projection i know it's really weird isn't it it's a bit ridiculous you are projecting an intention on the alien and i think the the whole thing is like think about the there's no intention i think it's just trying to replicate i mean to be fair it killed king so what am i on about i don't think the alien has an intention i think that's the whole genius of it is like this alien doesn't want to annihilate but it's just going to although when when she runs into jennifer jason lee and she's like oh so good and it's doing that. And she's going, it's inside me. It's inside me. It's going to devour everything. And it comes out of her mouth and it explodes Jennifer Jason Lee. And do you know what? When you said that you don't know what the alien was doing, I don't know if the alien even knows what it's doing. Just It's just, yeah. it's just existing. Which is like, but that's I love, the thing. I love that. That's why I found it sad because there was this innocence about it. It's like it doesn't know, it doesn't understand, and it's just trying to exist. And we're all just trying to exist, but we all keep. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm going deep into a metaphor for this idea of not necessarily the idea of self destruction, but this concept of we're not allowing others to exist. Or humans, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, humans, just in general, humans are that like we all that. are like. Yeah. Humans want to destroy each other and want to beat each other, but I think we project that onto aliens. And we have a lot of alien movies when they're coming to try to take things yeah. from us and they're trying to destroy us and blah, blah, blah. But I think in this case, the alien just accidentally landed here and is just trying to survive, which is kind of refreshing. Because, yeah, definitely we project onto aliens a lot what we think their intention is. Because we're awful. Yeah. We are. And I suppose we are self destructing by, by having this concept of like, only we can survive and constantly trying to destroy others for our own survival we are ultimately self-destructing because we can survive better in like this whole unity thing but not everyone agrees with that which is why you've got people running around doing protests with guns and no masks on are you oh no are you saying that the alien is sort of destroying to survive the alien, the alien yeah. is sort of doing that. It's like growing and yeah. destroying everything around it in order to survive. I don't think its intention is to no. destroy. Its intention is to survive. And it can yeah. only do that because it doesn't know how to survive in our environment. So yeah. it's just trying to find its own way, trying to live its own life. And, and that's what it found. Yeah. So mm. I do enjoy a movie like this that ends with a little bit of ambiguity because it creates conversation and thought and you're each then allowed to kind of have your own idea of what the ending was Hmm. from what you took from the movie. And I I think that's kind of cool. And then you have all those YouTube channels saying explained. Yeah. (laughs) Finally, this is what happened. (laughs) Like, Oh my God. What's the movie that um, everyone tried to explain? And I just went, I just don't even care. I enjoyed it. Inception. That was the one. Everyone was like, the ending of Inception explained. And I was just like, do you know what? I just watched it. It was cool. It ended. All right. It's for boys. (laughs) It's for boys. It's for boys that never thought about anything in their whole lives. Whoa. (laughs) A thing and a thing. Who cares? Right. So we've reached (laughs) the end of the movie and the science. (laughs) 
We have reached the end of it. But so I do have a question in terms Go. of science. So as as I mentioned, there was for me when it comes to science movies, there are moments where they either try to explain something or they do something in a way that's a bit too unrealistic for me that it just pulls me out of the story. And I feel like that happens at a different point with each movie that you watch. So what was the point in Annihilation that you just went, nah, I've checked out now? Are we at our what the fuck moment? Yeah. All right, we're going to play our what the fuck, our what the fuck bit because I've made one. Are we ready? What the what the what the fuck? Every movie has a what the fuck moment. Every movie is a moment that you look at it and there's just one small scene, big scene, who knows, but some moment where you just go, what the actual fuck was that? What's your what the fuck moment for Annihilation? Well, initially it was like uh, what I said in the beginning, where <laughs> where the physicist wasn't was impressed by a biologist, <laughs> which wait, we can talk but ab- still disclaimer: we are physicists who like biologists very much. We work for biologists. <laughs> if it weren't for biology, we wouldn't have a job. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's the whole thing about physics. But um, I I'm just gonna be super um literal literal with it and say that fucking bit when when they rip um rip the guy's skin off oh Oh god and his guts are moving around and by the way oh my god there were so many things in this movie where they were just like let's put this gross thing in (laughs) yeah what was the point of it 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 was was a bit it was like what the fuck (laughs) it was like that Yuck! Ugh, ugh, ugh. Yuck! This ugh, disgusting. And then, and then, uh, by the way, after that bit, the actual what the fuck yeah. moment. Now that I think about it, is after that where Anya's like, "It was a trick of the light." You know, in a movie, things are a trick of the light. <laughs> in real life, no one's like, "It's a trick of the light." That no, that how, no, you saw it on like, "It's a trick of the light." He put his hand in and it squirmed across his trick hand. Trick of the light. Trick of the light. That's another movie trope. <laughs> nope, it was just a trick of the light. So, <laughs> trick of the light. Oh my god! Of course, it's the non-science one that says trick of the light. Paramedic. Yeah. The paramedic in the group is like, mm. Um, what was your what the fuck moment? Tell us. Mine. <laughs> mine was more from an irritation at a very practical or impractical moment that happened <laughs> that I found very frustrating, which is actually very um on point with our current world situation of quarantine and isolation so when let me set the scene for you yeah the beginning of the movie kane returns he's been away for a year he's been in the shimmer he's the only one who got out no one knows what's going on with him his he starts to bleed an ambulance is called the ambulance gets hijacked by these guys in black suits and glasses and guns and cars and they all get dragged off to this secret military base no one knows where the secret military base is no one's allowed on the secret military base no one knows what's going on with Kane so he's put into quarantine so he's in his own little quarantine tent in a quarantine room where you have a nurse or a guard or someone in full hazmat quarantine gear yet somehow Lena is able to just open his door because there's nobody guarding it outside walk in 
Whoever is guarding it on the inside in their full hazmat suit is either passed out or asleep. Never explained. Don't know what they're doing. They're just sat in a chair with their eyes closed. So she walks straight past the hazmat suit person with no protection on her whatsoever (laughs) to his quarantined bed where for some inexplicable reason, the actual flap, zip flap door of his quarantine tent is hanging open. So she just walks in and straight up to his bed. And then, you know, has her moment. No PPE. I just, I was, I was literally <laughs> watching that one. I was like, what, what, what? what? Where's yeah, your exactly mask? No PPE. <laughs> Straight up, like, just allowed to just walk in the door on the secret military base where there's just, like, freaking labs all over that are all covered in all these, like, plastic sheaths things protecting everyone from what's going on. And she's just, but why is the, why is the flap just hanging open? It's yeah. like there was a scene cut out or something that was, like, a moment before where they were all in there and your one in the hazmat passed out and they were like oh no and they ran and just left everything to try to get help for the passed out woman and just lena happened to walk in at that moment that's what i'm telling myself anyway so yeah that was my what the fuck moment the lack of any kind of safety standards in a movie this is why you're a real scientist because you took issue with ppe i have other science friends who watch movies and they're like where's their ppe why is that open (laughs) Do you know? I have, it's such a silly little thing, I know, but it was just like, it is I just watched it. And I was just like, why is this happening? Budget. Rig. They don't yeah. want to reshoot it. It's budget. I watched this Netflix. So I think a lot of Netflix movies, you know, they have this sense of being like uh, shot yeah. pretty quickly, you know, not a lot of takes, um, not a lot of script revision. It's like a way of making a movie which is a little bit more budget friendly. I watched this Netflix film and a lot of it took place in a hospital and it was so clear that the hospital was like a very small set with like a corridor, you know, and they had like two one doctor and a nurse actor. So there was a nurse, a doctor, two extras at one point. But like the whole hospital was like they were shooting in this hospital where it seemed like the hospital was made up of two people, right? And then I was like, I know this is low budget, but it's kind of killing me right? It's the same nurse. It's the same doctor. No one is in the hospital. There's one corridor. And then at one point, the nurse takes the patient to get an x-ray, right? And I said, if this nurse administers the x-ray, I'm turning this film off. She did, didn't she? And the nurse takes him in a wheelchair to the x-ray room and starts administering the x-ray. I was like, no, no Netflix. (laughs) No. Oh my God. It sounds like when I used to work in theater. You've got an extra in the background, and it's like, okay, great. In this scene, you're working in the factory, and then you're on the street. Now you work in the shop. Just change your costume. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they go like this. Kind of looks like a military base. Great, done. Yeah. Like whatever. Yeah. Let's just shoot it. I don't know. It was funny. <laughs> I get the sense sometimes with Netflix yeah. films, but I hear no. Nah, I get it. I think I like we both have different, different, different. Um, yeah. Pretty different yeah what the fucks (laughs) i like it okay so we are at our final segment uh pass or fail first question did the movie pass the bechdel test oh we should explain in the first episode especially what the bechdel test is for anyone who doesn't actually know the bechdel test is essentially in terms of women in movies does the movie pass the test of having two female characters do the two female characters have names do they speak to each other 
And do they speak to each other about a topic other than a man for any significant amount of time? I think the base limit is like 60 seconds. So did this movie pass the Bechdel test? Flying colors. Woohoo! Although I did see an article earlier where someone said it failed the reverse Bechdel test, which just made me want to find the person who wrote it. I think it was a Reddit post and I just want to punch them in the face and they can screw off with their reverse oh my God, Bechdel test. That men? Because men, men weren't there talking about... Really? Oh, sorry, there wasn't enough boys in the movie. Well, what about the scene on the video? What about the scene when they're filming and the guts are going yeah, around? Yeah, there you go. Dudes, not talking about chicks. But I might not have had names, though. Maybe we should have the, the, the male <laughs> version is, is, are there two men in the movie who spend any significant amount of time talking about women and their emotions? That is like an additional <laughs> bed yeah. to kill test. Okay, well, look, this movie 100% passed the Bechdel test. Yeah, well, it had women being normal. So the second question is, did it pass the here comes the science bit test? No. It was so silly. It's so silly. (laughs) Refraction. What the F? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Refraction. Okay. And what's your final verdict? Pass or fail on the movie in general? It's a pass. I liked it. It was a good movie. Yeah. Tried to bring uh, bring some physics to the masses. Um, but everyone loves everyone loves prisms. Prisms. Yeah. Refraction. Oh, yeah. They go prisms. Light. Light there. Light and prisms. So pretty. Rainbows. <laughs> Prism. <laughs> but it was a little bit silly. It was a little bit silly. But you know what? It's a good movie. And God bless Natalie Portman. Please keep making movies. <laughs> Yes. God bless Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Lee. God bless Natalie Portman. God bless Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Lee. She's so good. She has such a good scream. Such Oh yeah, you you're mad for her scream. Such a good scream. <laughs> such a good whisper as well. <laughs> what a range. Jennifer Jason Lee wins the Academy Award for Primal Scream. <laughs> Whispers and screams. Yeah, I this movie 100% passed the test for me as well. Passed the test. <laughs> Uh, yeah I just I really enjoyed it I really I loved the eeriness I loved the the tone that it set the music from the very beginning I liked the artiness of it Mm. Um, the middle bit the kind of horror moments with the uh, with like the the monsters and all that kind of stuff like it was fine I enjoyed it but I kind of got back into it again then once it kind of came through that and we got to the lighthouse yeah after the uh, shenanigans that pulled me yeah, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the shenanigans, but, you know, it just kind of pulled me back in then at the end into like, oh, okay, we're back in this kind of creepy yeah. realm of like something eerie and weird and we don't know what's going on. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed how it all played out. Visually, absolutely stunning. Sound stunning. was fantastic. So so um, in conclusion, we go amazing setup, shenanigans, shenanigans, fantastic conclusion. Could have done without some yeah. of the shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I don't want to take away... Uh, we don't, uh, I think our aim with this podcast in general anyway, like we're not trying to be, we're not trying to say like the science in saying like, oh, look, it's not realistic. Because of course in science fiction, the science is not going to be realistic. So we're not overly concerned about like, you know, what can really happen in terms of Hox genes and, and refracting of, reflecting of light and such. But it's more just about like was it portrayed in such a way that allowed us to feel like it was believable or allowed us to put the science aside and just take the fiction and enjoy Mm. the fiction and sometimes I think science is just such a hard it's such a hard topic because movies are trying to do it in a Hollywood way 
to appeal to people who don't have anything to do with science but there's a lot of scientists in the world so there's always going to be people out there and scientists are tricky people fussy people know it all particular people yeah i mean so there's always going to be that element of kind of like oh was it real and could you do it so mm. we're not trying to be overly critical of the actual science, but but if it's silly, portrayal sometimes. of it is yeah. I mean, it's like it's a bit silly I like sometimes. this. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with laughing at a bit of silly science in a movie. But it's, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay, I think this was fun. Cool. Did you have fun? Yeah. So this was our first one. Yeah. And anyone listening, you don't understand what it took for us to get this recording done. <laughs> It took a whole pandemic. <laughs> so we're never talking about annihilation ever again. <laughs> we are done. And Abby, you're picking the movie next time. What is it? Yes. So I have picked, it's another Netflix movie. Um, I have picked the 2016 movie Spectral, starring Emily Mortimer and James Badge Dale. I am looking forward to it. It's a fun movie with a... With a woman. 100%... <laughs> there's a woman in it there's a lot of men in it too but there's a woman in it i like that you said her name first yes of course Good well, job. also it's emily mortimer she's awesome she is great but um yeah it's a fun movie with an interesting take on the here comes the science bit so <laughs> we'll get into that in two weeks time so if you would like to join us in two weeks time please do and if you'd like to get in contact you can email us on science at the movies at gmail.com or you can catch us on instagram at science at the movies that's it. Yeah. Till next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Toodles. We did it. We did it. Oh, we did it. Fuck. Oh my god. <laughs> fucking hell. What a fucking oh my sweet god. mother of Jesus.